Welcome to the Velocity Podcast. A study in monology. This is your grumpy uncle Peter. He will say words at you. To begin with, I feel I need to apologize to what I believe is at least two people. Uh, last week, I was working on the back end <laughs> of the podcast and the software I use, Podcast Generator. I said there's a new version. If you don't upgrade to the new version, something could go wrong, which I guess is what they say is to just cover their bases. So it's open source software. So they always make it sound like the upgrade is going to be simple. It's not ever just push a button and do it automatically. And I understand that. They're not working on that level. They're basically working for free unless you donate money. The instructions were replace this file, this file, this file, this file. So I backed up my website as you're supposed to do. And I replaced all the files and hit go and it didn't work. So then I tried to do the backup and the backup didn't work. And then I realized it was just all gone. So I started again and I made the excellent judgment of just putting a hundred episodes back, uh, figuring the first hundred episodes, no one's really going to miss them. I might even, I've been considering the first like 50 kind of redoing them because I've gotten more comfortable in the format. I talk more at length. I talk more in depth, more naturally because I'm more comfortable sitting in my room alone, talking about nothing for extended periods of time because my life is so empty. But realistically, honestly, what happened then is I noticed on that day there were 200 more downloads than a normal upload day. So normally I upload and you get an expected number. Like this podcast on release day gets this many downloads. And then usually you get a couple more on Friday, Saturday. Some people just set their phones to automatically, you know, grab the, the podcast at night when they're sleeping. But I don't think someone looked at their podcast app and went, wow, Velosa podcast released 100 new episodes today. I should download them all. So what I believe happened, and it's again, it's the, the number's 200, which is a noticeable difference between my normal amount of downloads. There's a, there's a spike is what I'm talking about. And it's not popularity. It's my mistake. So every time I see that spike, this, the, the, the stuff I use to track my, my podcast stats, uh, it's, shows you a month and I'm really waiting for another 30 days. So that spike goes away. Cause every time I see that spike, I feel a little guilty because I know what probably happened is two people have their phone and it just automatically downloads every new podcast. So they woke up in the morning, looked at their phone and there were a hundred more podcasts from Velosa podcast. I assume some of which they'd heard before. And that was not my intention. I thought when I redid the feed, 
it was re- but of course it's a new feed essentially so it's in the same place with the same address so no one has to like reclick anything or like resubscribe i've actually messed that up when i was learning how to do all this stuff in the first place so this isn't that bad i'm not going to lose subscribers but annoying the subscribers you have that actually feels worse. It's almost like I would rather lose some because of a mistake than annoy the ones that have hung around. So if you woke up and your phone had a hundred episodes of Velocity Podcast on it, and maybe even filled up your whole phone, I actually don't know how much space these take on people's phones. I guess if you can download movies and stuff, a podcast can't be that big. But a hundred of them is a hundred times bigger than one podcast. So that's still quite a bit of space. And you would have had to go through and delete them all. Uh, from me to you, this is honestly my sincere apologies. I cannot guarantee this won't happen again because this is the kind of thing that, you know, dealing with software that honestly I don't fully understand, messing around with stuff, trying to make it work often means I break it. And when I break it badly enough, I have to redo it. Should it happen again, I will probably just do the last five episodes. And then if people want the other ones, I'll release them somewhere else so you can get them if you want. Uh, Yeah, my mistake. Very sorry. I hope it doesn't happen again. So a couple times in my life with the guys from my judo club in Japan, we go to a Zen retreat where we actually sit and meditate. And this is not something I'm really into. Meditation is fine. I, I do. I have done it in the past. Done it to kind of even myself out. Uh, if you're all like wound up because you had a bad day and you lie in bed, I actually do the, the counting your breath stuff to calm down and fall asleep. So I do believe it has some valuable uses. But it's not like I'm a person who wakes up and meditates every day and practices mindfulness and all that other stuff. But going to a Zen retreat in Japan with people from your judo club. It's just a unique experience and one that I would not pass up. So I've done it a few times. The first time we went to one of those ones that's really strict and you sit in Seiza. Seiza is basically sitting on your knees, which back then I could do. I don't think I could do it anymore. Uh, My knees don't hold out. I can sit in Seiza for five minutes maybe. And then I have to like give up and sit on my butt. When you lose focus, what you're supposed to do is lean forward and put your hands down like you're doing like the start of a bow that indicates to the monk who's sort of patrolling you guys while you're meditating to come over to you and take a a big stick. Now it's not a solid stick. It's actually a kendo practice stick. They smack you in the back with it. It sort of stings. I honestly can say it doesn't really hurt. Like if you got it over and over and over again, yes, it would hurt. It makes a really loud noise. So it sounds like it hurts. So, you know, we did this. Everyone's sitting, doing their meditation properly. And then someone leans forward and the monk comes up and smacks him. And then I lost my concentration. So I lean forward. Monk comes up, smacks me. And this is the problem with having competitive guys who fight do this kind of activity. Because without even declaring it, we started competing. And there was like no rule set. And this is not something we had all discussed. So this was just, it happened organically. And that's maybe why it's so interesting and weird. You can't have these kind of people together in a place and not have this sort of game come up. Because it's not like we can out-meditate each other. 
But what we can do is see who can get the monk to hit you the hardest. So I leaned forward and the monk hit me. So a big thwack sound. And I went, Pfft. Now that was a clear indicator to the people around me, my judo guys, that this hit that the monk had pulled, it didn't hurt. I'm a man. I can take it. Almost immediately, the guy to my right leans forward and the monk goes over and hits him. Clearly the same strength. He's done, he's done this like maybe all day or his whole life. I don't know. I don't know how hard he can hit. I don't think he's hitting us as hard as he can. He's just trying to make the big noise, try to snap you back into focus. So the guy to my right gets hit and he giggles. And then the guy to my left, before the guy to my right even finishes giggling, he's leaning forward because he wants one to see what this is all about. And now you can see we're not meditating at all. We're either fucking with the monk or fucking with each other. But we are absolutely now just fucking around. The monk is getting slightly annoyed because we are finding the getting hit by the big stick, the kendo practice thing amusing, which I don't think we're supposed to do. Now, this is a Zen monk Buddhist guy. I actually don't know if he's Buddhist, but, you know, uh, they had that aesthetic for sure. It was Zen. Yes, I had the Buddhism stuff. I don't even remember, to be honest. They had shaved heads, which is the second part of this story. It's a weird idea to think that we're actually pissing off a Zen monk. So the question is, are we actually pissing him off? It's not like he says anything or shows any emotion, but the third guy who got hit, it was a noticeably louder sound. So if it's a noticeably louder sound, that means he was hit with at least more velocity. Maybe it doesn't hurt yet. I don't know. But of course, now you've set up the escalation for the competition. And what does everyone want who is a competitor but to compete at the highest level? So a few minutes later, Basically, everyone in the judo club is leaning forward and getting hit and trying to make noises to annoy the priest so that they'll get hit the hardest. And I'm guilty as charged, just as much as everyone else is, leaning forward and like the priest hits you and you're trying to do something to show that he hasn't hit you hard enough in the hopes that he'll hit you harder the next time. We're not allowed to say anything. And that is clearly part of the challenge of what we're doing. Because if you actually say, hit me harder, you're breaking a rule. An unwritten rule that no one has established, but just inherently we all know we're not allowed to say anything to play this game, but we are absolutely going to continue to play this game. It's very hard to declare a winner. We would have needed a referee or something, but you could tell there were some guys who felt like they had won. They had gotten hit the hardest that day or hit the most often, which was clearly a second place prize. But if you couldn't get number one, number two is all right to take. I don't think I could claim any either of those places. But I was part of the group that maybe initiated this. I believe I did it by accident. But once it had happened, I realized this is how this is. Because I've mentioned a few times on the podcast, and this is coming up, because of coronavirus, it might not happen this year. The judo bonankai. Bonankai is the end of year party. We get in a room, and you're supposed to have drinks to celebrate the year. And it immediately turns into a drinking competition. So I actually don't drink that much anymore. So... But I still am a big dude, lots of volume, so I can take a lot of alcohol. And I have sort of higher tolerance than a lot of my Asian cohorts. So I'm the guy to beat. 
So they're all challenging me and chugging and, you know, down it in one and all that kind of stuff uh, constantly. And I get wrecked every year and I try really, really hard sometimes not to go or not to drink, but it never works out. I always go, I always drink way too much and I always get really sick the next day. I have to take the next day or two off of work if there is work the next day. So that's in advance. I know how bad it's going to be. The second story about going to Zen retreats is a little weird because there's an option to shave your head when you go there. Now my hair is very short and I'm losing a lot of my hair. So I personally don't mind the idea of shaving my head, but I would have to go back to work. And that would mean every single conversation when I went back to work would be, why did you shave your head? Tell us about shaving your head. It's not like I don't like telling stories. Clearly this podcast is half the time, just me telling stories of some sort. So I really enjoy telling stories. I don't like telling the same story multiple times in the same day to multiple people. What I really need is everyone to get in the same room. I'll tell them all the story and then we're done. I'll take questions. Uh, But the idea of telling stories over and over again really bugs me. I get tired of having to report the same stuff to people uh, in different sections and stuff because really it should be one email, one conversation, that's it, something like that. And then we're done. Uh, Telling it again and again and again gets tiresome for me. So there's a bunch of guys in the judo club who shaved their head. Now, I had pre-cut my hair short. So it wasn't shaved, but I cut it down really short. So it still looked like I had my hair cut, but it was shorter than usual. And yet I felt a lot of weird social pressure. This is like peer pressure. But the idea of self-imposed peer pressure from Zen monks is a very unique situation to be in. Because I had no idea what to do and no idea where to go with this. I didn't know if anyone, I certainly in Japanese wouldn't have been able to communicate what I was feeling. Because I really wanted to shave my head, but I wasn't doing it because primarily of work. I don't think I feel peer pressure on most situations. I think that's a unique character trait. Maybe because I don't consider anyone my peer. If you want to be a real dick, if you ever talk about people put peer pressure on you, you can always snap back, you know. Uh, peer pressure doesn't work on me because I don't consider you my peer. Ooh, that's that's a sort of a little burn there. That that's a freebie from Velocity Podcast to you. So I hope after Corona finishes, I get the opportunity to go back to one of these things again. We didn't do it every year. We do it like every two or three years because it's a little expensive to go. But it is good. So getting a Zen monk to get pissed off at you and then feeling weird peer pressure because you didn't shave your head like the other Zen monks. It's a really interesting place to be. So yeah, if you ever get the opportunity to do that, I would absolutely recommend it. Just, you know, maybe take it more seriously than I did. So this is recent media, so I wanted to get it up out of the way. So if you were actually watching the same show I am, you would know what I was talking about. It's not a spoiler. I guess, fuck, who cares? Ashoka Tano shows up in The Mandalorian. She's a Jedi from one of the cartoons. I actually watched the cartoon. She is the most interesting Jedi out there. I will make that statement right now. And it's because she's trained by Anakin Skywalker to be a Jedi. And she actually is there during his downfall when he becomes shifting towards the dark side. So her teacher, teaching her to be the best Jedi she can be, ends up going to the other side. This disillusions her, which is very interesting. 
in the shows, in the cartoon, she was actually trained in guerrilla tactics. So you have a Jedi who's trained in guerrilla tactics who then rejects the Jedi doctrine. And when Darth Vader tries to get her to join him, she rejects Darth Vader. So she's technically a Jedi because she's done the Jedi training. But she's not a Jedi because she's actually rejected the sort of Jedi creed overall. Now, there may have been things that have happened since then, or maybe I didn't pay attention. But that moment to me when she's like, no, screw the Jedi, screw the Sith, was one of the more interesting things. Because she still has all that power and training and ability. But again, she's trained in guerrilla tactics. She's essentially a Jedi terrorist who has no affiliation with the Jedis. That's all irrelevant. It's kind of background as to why I find her interesting. They've created a very interesting character with a very interesting set of skills who has her own moral compass, which I think is why I like her so much. In the show, she has her two swords or two lightsabers. And she's fighting someone who has a spear. It's Balerian, which is the Mandalorian's uniform. Uh, lightsabers do not cut through it. And so they can use it. So the spear can actually block a lightsaber. That's the first thing you need to know. As someone who has studied fighting most of his life, enjoys fighting, and watches a lot of movies and stuff, and maybe even overanalyzes the fighting, there was an incredible flaw in the fight between Ahsoka Tano and the bad lady whose name I don't remember. Because she's holding a spear, the bad lady. Ahsoka has her two lightsabers out. And they want to do the dramatic first clash. So the lightsabers come down in the front and she takes the spear and blocks it with her face and you get a close-up on one face, close-up on the other faces, they go, and they look at each other with anger and passion and they're about to fight and it's really serious. There are no guards on a spear. So there's nothing to protect her hands. The lightsabers are at the moment resting on the spear. They're pushing back and forth, you know, with great passion and verve. If Ashoka had just taken her lightsaber and run it lengthwise down the spear, she would have cut off all her opponent's fingers. And the spear would have fallen to the ground, and I'm pretty sure that would have been the end of the fight. Now, you wouldn't have been able to have the scene where they look in each other's eyes as they struggle and push back and forth against each other. But if they're going to do this seriously, even a mediocre person who fights, because a lightsaber doesn't necessarily have an edge, it's just like a burning laser... So if she just runs it down and the fingers are in the way, all those fingers come off. So that didn't ruin the fight for me, but I immediately started thinking, oh, if I was in that situation, that's the first thing I would have done. If we had that clash moment, since there's no guard, like a sword usually has a guard, so that if the other blade that clashes with it comes down towards your hand, it stops it. That's the whole point of that thing being there. Spear doesn't have that. Let's take advantage of that situation. There's also a scene where the lightsaber gets knocked out of her hand and it goes into the water. And they did this in the last Star Wars movie where use the force to pull the lightsaber to you and what they need to do is turn it on in the air. And as they turn it on in the air, it goes into the back of the other person. So you can essentially stab someone in the back while standing in front of them. I would like to see moves like that pulled off more often in the Star Wars universe. Maybe it's cowardly. Maybe there's sort of this like code I don't understand because I don't live in the Star Wars universe and I'm not a Jedi. But it seems like the Jedi are actually pretty garbage at fighting because they don't take advantage of a lot of the situations they're in. And they certainly don't know how to turn an advantage towards, their, towards themselves so that they win more quickly and more easily. This could all be taken into account while, you know, choreographing a fight. I don't know if I'm putting myself out there. I put, you know, on the podcast, I put myself out there for a lot of jobs. 
or at least advisory positions. You know, I would actually think I'd be really good as a consultant in a lot of things. Not necessarily, I don't think I could write a better story than the ones they're writing. I certainly could not direct one. Choreographing a fight, I don't know if I could do that. Maybe I could pull one off with a lot of, you know, mentoring or guidance. But if you showed me a fight, I'm pretty sure I could take a few minutes and tell you what's wrong with it and what you need to do to fix it. The problem is you have to film it and then show it to me. Uh, and then I don't know how much time that takes. Like, I don't know how much time you have for reshoots and stuff like that. It's the same thing with the Han Solo script. I could have rewritten that to be amazing. I don't think I could have written a good Han Solo script by myself. But you give me the Han Solo script they came up with, and I, I had massive improvements I could have made. I believe I've actually talked about it on another podcast. So I'm not going to do it again right now. But the thing they missed is they never had the moment where Han Solo and Chewbacca fall in love as best friends. And that, to me, is the most important moment in that relationship that we did not get to see. Because in that movie, they make it a blood oath. And blood oaths don't mean you care about each other. It means you're obligated towards each other. And the relationship between Chewie and Han Solo is not an obligation. The whole point and why it's so appealing to everyone is because these two men... I mean, a Wookiee, he's a man. These two guys love each other. This is not a pro or anti-mask diatribe, but I do want to talk about masks because I've realized that masks are altering the concept of the beauty bias. If you don't know what the beauty bias is, it's a very simple concept that people don't want to admit, but better looking people get treated better in life. And of course they do. And it's perfectly logical if you think about it. If you have two people and one is gorgeous and one is normal, so I'm not even going to say ugly, just normal. Of course, given the opportunity, you want to spend more time around the gorgeous person, not but judging them on personality or anything. It's just that's the thing you want to have around you. So when it comes to work, more attractive people are more likely to get jobs. More attractive people are more likely to get mates. More attractive people are more likely to get a little bit of everything in life. Their lives are just simply a little bit easier than everyone else's. We have had several people join my company during the coronavirus pandemic. And because of that, during work hours, certainly, we all have to wear masks. It's our company policy. We wear masks all the time. Uh, I have some really nice Under Armour ones. So if, I, I don't know if you want recommendations for masks, but I didn't want to be throwing away disposable masks. I was wearing ones my kids had made at first, and they were good, but it was really just a piece of cotton on my face. Uh, maybe they double layered it, but that's fine. So eventually I realized if I'm going to have to wear this every day, I want something that's comfortable. I want something that's actually going to protect me. I want something that, you know, I feel is going to work. Even if it's placebo, it doesn't matter. It'll make me feel better. And I didn't want to be throwing stuff away every day. So I went and I looked for masks. It was surprising to me that sports companies didn't jump on this sooner. So Under Armour was the only one that made what I would consider a good mask. So Adidas had one, but it was just the regular ones you could buy at the pharmacy with an Adidas logo on it. There was no sort of additional effort put into it, which is why I was a bit disappointed because I actually quite like the Adidas logo. I have a lot of Adidas clothes. Uh, I looked at the other sports companies, the big ones. They all had masks, but again, it was just a regular mask with their logo. Under Armour had clearly put more work into the design and the function of their mask to make sure it was safe. Uh, it fit really well. I wear glasses. And one of the problems with most masks is when you breathe, it fogs up your glasses. This has a, the, the metal wire on the top with spandex. So if you snug it up on your nose, on the bridge of your nose, your glasses will not fog up. So I'm very happy with the Under Armour one, so much so that I bought a second so I can wash one while I wear the other one and alternate back and forth. I have 
about four or five coworkers now where I've never actually seen their face because they came in, did the training together. I, I helped give them direction and prepare them for work. And then they went off and they actually started doing their job. At no point did I see them without a mask on. So the beauty bias, it's not nullified. It's actually just emphasized different aspects. Or it's created a situation where the beauty bias is significantly decreased or we're going to make our judgments based a lot more on hair and eyes. And something I have noticed is most people have really nice eyes. So I'm on the train and I'm looking at the people around me and I'm noticing I find a lot of the girls' eyes very attractive, but that's really the only thing I can see, that in their hair. So I'm not seeing really the shape of their face. I'm not seeing their mouth. I'm not seeing their nose. I'm not seeing any blemishes. I'm seeing their eyes and their hair. So if they have hair they've taken care of, which is pretty easy to do, and most girls seem to do it, uh, and they have nice eyes, maybe even there's more emphasis on eye makeup, they're looking pretty good. And so I don't know if this has really had an impact on how I see women yet, but I have realized that attractiveness is something that shifts over time. Because what you find attractive now, I mean, that might change. Uh, certainly society and the pressure of media is going to make it have some sort of impact and change the way you think and feel about different body types, styles, anything you want to say. The mask, I don't think it's been around long enough to have an impact yet. But I certainly think if this continues, which it certainly seems like it's going to, sooner or later it is going to start to have an impact. I have had several people comment on the fact that I am wearing a clearly more expensive mask, which means there is now a sense of fashion or status connected to the quality of the mask you're wearing. So I've seen a couple of people and they're wearing really shitty masks. And my first thought is you should put more effort into that. I don't tend to judge people on clothes, but I mean, you have to be really on the extreme side of, you know, dressing poorly for me to really care. Like, you didn't even try. I tend to wear the most basic things I can find. I'll wear uh, pants, shirt, and a tie because that's the dress code. If I go to an event, I put on a suit. I've, my suits are incredibly conservative. So fashion-wise, I'll be, wear, be able to wear them for years and years and years because I've actually gone with a, a fashion style that's so old, it's always kind of acceptable. In fact, I'm usually slightly overdressed if I wear my full suit, but that's actually what I would prefer to be. That's actually a really weird way of putting in no effort. So if I can get a single suit that I can use in multiple occasions, multiple situations, and it's always appropriate, I'm actually putting in less effort than finding multiple suits for multiple tasks or duties or whatever you want to call it. So in a weird way, I've put a higher level of effort into being lazy so that I'm lazy really effectively. But I don't have to think about my suit. I know my suit's going to be appropriate for whatever I have to do. But if I'm noticing masks and the quality of your mask, it's probably because for me, it's a safety issue. That's what I'm thinking. It's like, oh, if he's not willing to take care of his own safety, he doesn't care about other people, he doesn't care about himself, whatever. Now that's a new form of judgment that people are making. Because again, I was in a weird way lazy about my mask. I know I'm going to wear this every day. I want one mask that I'm going to wear. It's my mask. It's going to fit comfortably. I'm going to be comfortable in it. I don't have to think about it ever again. Boom, I'm going to spend the extra money and get this mask. I got two so I could wash them. That's great. But yeah, if I see someone with a full-on N95 mask, which I now can recognize, which is, again, a weird thing, because if you wore certain types of clothes, I wouldn't actually recognize those clothes. But I'm guessing because the mask is relatively important to me. And 
that is a new shift in society. So if this continues or we have another pandemic or these kind of things continue into the future, I see this as a new sort of status and social thing that's going to come about. But also, the beauty bias kind of goes away. You're going to have to take care of your hair a lot more and have nicer hair. You have to take care of your eyes in some way. I wear glasses, so I wonder if that diminishes the effect even more. Like you can't see my face. Right now I've grown a beard. A lot of people actually barely even realize I've grown a full beard under the mask. I read a thing that said that beards do lower the efficacy of the mask because it does not form a perfect seal around your face. But then I was wondering if maybe the hair would actually catch the stuff and then I could wash it out. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up at that point. Beards, if you, if you really care about the mask, you probably shouldn't grow a beard, even though I've done that exact thing. This reminded me of a time when I was young and I was in Korea. At the time in Korea, it was maybe 1995 or it was sort of 90s, girls wore a lot of makeup. That was the fashion. And Korea was a very fashion conscious society at the time. I'm pretty sure it still is, but I haven't been there, so I don't want to make any judgments on it. But at the time I was there, platform shoes were a big deal and tons of makeup. Now, tons of makeup for young girls. Again, it's sort of an experimental phase. They wear a lot of makeup and then they usually like sort of ease off on it and find a nice balance. Some do, some don't. But the fashion was essentially too much makeup. And the interesting thing was if I had my glasses on, like I could see the makeup, I could see it was caked on. But my eyesight's so poor, if I took my glasses off, everyone was gorgeous. And so I took my glasses off a lot because that was a really nice world to live in. And there were girls dying because of platform shoes. This is a sort of mini side story. It was a news story while I was there. The fashion was the higher the platform, the better. So girls were getting like these excessively one foot high platform shoes, that kind of stuff. And for the most part, they could kind of trundle around. They actually, whenever they came in as a group into a store or something, it sounded like you were herding sheep into the store. The problem was that affects your balance and it makes it very hard to walk. So girls were getting to the tops of stairs and falling over and actually falling down the stairs and dying. And this was a news story in Korea that girls were dying because they were wearing platform shoes that were way too high for them. And that is a level that I would never be able to understand. Because as we've seen, even when I put effort into it, the effort I'm putting into it is so that I don't have to put any effort into it. So it's just a different way of thinking. The loss of 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 podcast. The loss of podcast. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Thank you for listening. Leave a text or voice question or comment at voicelink.fm slash podcast. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, or go to velocipeter.com slash podcast. Sexy out homies. Ashoka Tano. Ashoka Chan. <laughs>